All right, everybody, this is Mysterious Circumstances doing a case update on the Kendrick Johnson case that uh, me and Roseanne from California Dreaming podcast covered not too long ago. And obviously joining me is the fabulous Roseanne. So, Hi. you know. <laughs> Thank you. Along with the fabulous Justin. <laughs> <laughs> and we got hit up hard today because there is a Facebook post that came around yesterday and it's stating uh, everything about a witness that has been discredited and well, not so much. I don't want to say discredited, but basically all these accusations are coming around that this this witness was, has been incarcerated to keep the cover up going of the Kendrick Johnson quote unquote murder. Like me and Roseanne were talking about at the end of the episode, I, I did not state my opinion. I left it open because, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. It could go either way. But when you stack evidence in each hand or lack of evidence for that matter, uh, I, I did lean more towards accidental because medically it is possible. It's it's definitely possible, and weird deaths have happened. It's it's not cool, and it's really odd sometimes. But personally, I did lean a little bit more towards accidental. It was really funny because at the live show in Indianapolis, when we did the Q and A, I actually had somebody ask me what my opinion was, and I went into like a ten minute rant about it, but. <laughs> So basically what we're going to do, because there is a little bit of new information, I'm going to let Roseanne go ahead and get us started. Okay, well, before I get started with that, I just want to put it out there that I really feel terribly for the Johnson family. Of course. And, and their loss, and um, it's so sad. And I know that they're desperately looking for answers. And it feels like at this point, they're kind of grasping at straws, and it's completely heartbreaking to see them continuing to spin in circles now almost five and a half years later trying to figure out what happened and to find an answer that they're satisfied with. I just don't really think that it is and in order to do that they've filed papers to have their son's body exhumed for a second time and on um, June 20th it was reported that they had those papers that they had a time set to exhume him on Friday June 22nd of this year, and they were going to have a third autopsy conducted. And Kendrick's mom posted about their intentions to do so on social media, and she stated that it was heartbreaking to have to disturb his resting place yet again, but for her, it just has to be done. And like I said, they're still searching for the answers that they're satisfied with. So the Valdosta city manager said that the Kendrick family applied for the exhumation to take place, and the city signed off on it. And they had to get a permit to do it. And so, you know, if they wanted to change their mind, they could, but they didn't. And because, you know, they're convinced that the they school, are. the city, the law enforcement, the sheriff, and the FBI conspired to cover up his death. And they believe that he was murdered. And just prior to the news that um, they were planning the second ex exhumation, um, the Johnson family had requested for two witnesses to be questioned about some key evidence that was purportedly lost. Now, who those witnesses were and what that evidence was, it didn't say. But because this seems to have been in conjunction with the most recent application to exhume Kendrick, I would guess it would have something to do with maybe his internal organs being removed and nowhere to be found, which is typically left up to the discretion of the funeral home. But you remember we mentioned that 
samples of his organs were taken and preserved. Mm -hmm. So Kendrick's dad, um, speaking about this decision to go through the process of an autopsy for a third time, he said, if you love your child, you're going to want to know how they died. Something happened, they need to know. And a parent who doesn't want to know, then something's wrong with them. So I get it. And he's not going to rest until he gets his answers. But Mr. and Mrs. Johnson are going to keep going until they hear what they want to hear. And ultimately, what they want to know is how he died. And they're not going to let this get swept under the rug, no matter how many roadblocks get put up in their way. So because of all of the legal wrangling and the back and forth and the misleading information that's put out there, at this point for me, it seems unlikely anything new is going to come of this third autopsy. Many people in the community have criticized this and they want to see Kendrick left to rest in peace. But the Johnsons insist that it's not about rest and it's not about peace, it's about truth. And they insist that somebody needs to be held accountable for Kendrick's death and they're never going to let it go. So on June 22nd, Kendrick's body was raised out of his grave once again for a third autopsy. And if you recall, the first one determined his cause of death to be suffocation. And the second one, which was paid for by Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, found that the cause of death was blunt force trauma. As for the third autopsy, those results have yet to be released because it's only been a couple of months. You know, there's a lot of statements about a witness. Supposedly last year, a witness had come forward and he had confessed that one of the Bells had told him that Kendrick Johnson was murdered. I believe the term was roid rage. So that he was hit with a, I think it was a weight and that this person openly confessed to it. Well, shortly thereafter, this person who, I mean, it's documented. You can see the paperwork online, the, the actual confession of this person who heard the confession. From, pretty much. From the yes, the brother exactly. of He supposedly met him in about April of 2016. Like I said, he, like Justin said, you can see the paperwork online. And he... Apparently, you know, decided that he felt comfortable enough with this guy, this witness, to disclose all of this really damning information about this case. And for me, I just don't really buy it. I don't think that you're sitting around talking to some guy and spilling your guts out about how your brother murdered somebody and yeah. how everybody in town conspired to cover it up. It just doesn't feel right to me. Exactly. And if, if you notice, like you had mentioned when we were talking back and forth, the confession almost matches the narrative of the Johnson family. It does. It feels like he's parroting what they're saying. Exactly. Every, everything that Johnson's have said, this guy went point by point by point in his declaration to the court. Yeah, it's super, super interesting. But people are presenting this information as it being brand new which it is not brand new. And then they go on to say, well, now the Johnsons have to pay, you know, $300,000 in legal fees. Here's why, okay? On March 21st, 2018, Judge Richard Porter basically ordered the Johnsons to pay $300,000 in legal fees. And the reason that he did this was because they failed to respond appropriately to the dismissal of their appeal against the accused. And he said, quote, there was no response to the dismissal and no transcripts filed in any of these cases. 
And those cases are not just Brian and Brandon Bell. I don't think people realize that the Johnsons have openly accused 36 other people along with them with being involved in this huge cover-up of Kendrick Johnson's death. And basically this $300,000 was to cover the legal fees of 38 people. All right? right. And don't get me wrong. They've been sued for defamation of character and everything else. I think the total amount that they've actually been sued for is upwards of $2 million. Not to be the bad guy here, but it's not exactly unwarranted lawsuits here because they have no evidence to back anything up. But yet they're openly accusing all these people. One of the Bell brothers lost his full ride scholarship to Florida State to play football because of this incident, because he was open, openly accused. Uh, one of their grandmothers was getting death threats because of this from certain rally members and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's what happens when you when you go about things this way. And at the end of the day, all of these investigations, not just, it's not a county thing. It's not a town thing. It, it's not because it's some little town in Georgia. The Lowndes County Sheriff's Department, the SCLC conducted two separate investigations independently. The NAACP conducted an investigation. The Department of Defense, the Department of Justice, all of these huge agencies agreed that this was an accident. There was not sufficient evidence to support any claim of him being murdered. When you break it down to that, it's literally the entire government, not just a town, not just a school, not just a state, like the entire Department of Justice, including the NAACP with the SCLC, all these people have to be involved in this huge conspiracy to cover up what they say is a murder. And I just don't see it that way. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I could be wrong. I wasn't there. You know what I mean? But when you, when you weigh it in one hand and, you know, weigh the evidence, weigh the lack of evidence, you know, you, you can kind of see it. I don't know. I don't want to say it really annoys me, but every time somebody posts something about this that they say is new, they'll bring up this witness. Okay. Well, and what, after this witness did this confession, uh, he was supposedly arrested. Now he was supposedly arrested for trespassing. And I'm not sure if the probation violation was involved in that trespassing charge. Roseanne, do you do you I, recall that? I couldn't find it. Um, I was looking really deeply into this this arrest that it came up 12 days after Kendrick's mom had filed his statement with the court, the statement that Brandon Bell had divulged all of this incriminating information to him. It's not new information. That's the thing, because we talked about this back in March. I was like, we talked about this, though. This post, I see it, it's here, but this isn't new to me. Like, we went over this. I mentioned in our original episode that this man was arrested. His name was Ryan Domek Hernandez. He was arrested by the Valdosta Police Department and charged with criminal trespassing. And just to refresh your memory, the Valdosta police incident regarding his arrest, it was around 5.30 in the morning on August 18th of 2017. They were dispatched to a resident who, a resident who was reporting a trespassing. A woman told police that she was in her bathroom when Domet Hernandez came to the window and punched his fist through the glass in an attempt to get into her home. And then about 35 minutes later, another Valdosta police officer who was at the South Georgia Medical Center reportedly witnessed him 
walk through the emergency room without a shirt on and he had blood all over his hand and he had a belt wrapped around his forearm and he was attempting to register at the desk as a John Doe but the officer knew who he was from some previous encounters. He was also aware of the be on the lookout for that trespassing call that came in from the woman with, with the bathroom where he punched the window. And when the officer approached him, he tried to walk out of the lobby and he saw his injury. He tried to grab him. They had a little scuffle and the officer ended up drawing his taser but didn't use it. They sat down and were trying to stop the bleeding and the witness was resistant, but he told the officer to just let it go, let him bleed out. He doesn't want any anything to do with this. And that's when he got arrested and charged with that trespassing and taken to jail. In the original episode, I said he was released on bail, but I've found out since that that bail wasn't listed, which was unusual for a trespassing charge. But I thought that maybe it was because he was on probation and maybe it was for this 2016 assault charge that Justin got some information about today. He had a 2016 charge for aggravated assault, which specifically was strangulation. So that would have been, you know, the probation violation or whatnot. So this is their witness. I mean, how credible is this guy? He's kind of violent. He seems to be trying to break into houses. He's strangling people, you know? Exactly, exactly. And the, you know, that's, that's why nobody's really that and the fact that his confession, quote unquote, it's almost like, like you had said, it's almost scripted. You know, I'm not trying to discredit him. Maybe he is telling the truth. We don't know. I mean, it's not the first confession. I mean, there was a, like I said, there's an email confession, an anonymous email confession on January 27th of 2014, to where this emailer basically implicated four students that were involved in this murder or quote unquote murder. And pretty much the emailer did not personally say they witnessed a confession, but they said they were told the info by someone who witnessed the confession. So think about it. It's like three or four people removed. Now, two out of the four (laughs) students were questioned. They were taken in and Authorities were like, yeah, these kids had nothing to do with it. So I'm not sure why everybody is making this huge deal about this confession. All right. You know, granted, it is a confession. I get that. But the thing that is really bothering me is the Johnson family are saying that he is still incarcerated because this is all part of the cover up. They don't want his confession being, you know, they're trying to discredit him by you know, his past record or whatever. Fortunately, that's probably not the case. I will say this because I have some of the coolest listeners in the world and this person will remain anonymous. He is currently incarcerated, but not on anything related to what the Johnson family is claiming. I will say that, you know, this is a very, very credible source. So, you know, you can take that information as you would like it. Another thing that that's really getting to me is when people always bring up the organs being missing, quote unquote missing, or the newspaper being in the body. Listen, guys, if you're a member of my Facebook group, you've heard me go through down through the line a hundred times today by everybody who commented on that. (laughs) Okay. And this is verified, confirmed information. Okay. The organs are not missing. The organs are not lost. It is at the discretion of the funeral home whether or not they want to put them back in the body before burial 
or they want to dispose of them. They chose to dispose of them. Now, the Georgia Secretary of State's office came out and made their own little PR statement about the newspaper thing. All right. They said, quote, you know, it might not be the best practice. They probably could have used something more acceptable than newspaper, end quote. But there's a 50-50 chance that if you have a deceased loved one, that they are also stuffed with newspaper. This is not an uncommon thing. All right. Funeral homes still most, practice this. Most people aren't going to really want to check. Yeah, and I'm not so they do this. <laughs> so they do this without any expectation of it coming back and slapping them in the face. Like, why is there newspaper inside my loved one? Like, exactly. When would you? Yeah. So as long and, as your loved one looks fine and in the casket and presentable, what difference does it make in general? In general, but yes. Because with Kendrick and all of this contention about his death and murder and accident, whatever, it's become an issue. It has become an issue, and it's it's when people concentrate on the organs and the newspaper, they're not concentrating on the big picture. They're concentrating on something that is proven to be, you know, it's not a standard practice, but it happens a lot, okay? It's not something that's uncommon at all, all right? Now, usually they use newspaper sawdust. The cheaper funeral homes will use newspaper. That's just how it is. And And just so everybody knows, too, before the organs were disposed of, there were samples taken from them, and they currently reside in the Georgia Bureau of Investigation. So it's not like the funeral home just tossed them out the back window before, you know, anybody ever got there. That is not the case. So you got to keep that in mind when you're looking at this as well. People make a big deal about that, and it's not. That's totally false. And here's another thing. If you look at both of the theories as to how Kendrick died, whether it was a blunt force trauma to his neck or whether he died of positional asphyxiation, his internal organs and the condition that they're in, whether or not you have them or not, I don't really think are going to play into the cause of death because it doesn't really have much to do with, with the two theories on how he died. Exactly. Exactly. It wasn't like he was poisoned and you need to look at his stomach or his liver or his kidney, you know? Yeah. And I mean, if he was in a, if he was in a fist fight a month beforehand, his organs are still going to show that bruising damage. So it's, I don't know. I don't want to say it's irrelevant because obviously I'm, I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a pathologist or anything like that, but you got to look at the bigger landscape of what's going on and the fact that this is standard practice. Like the, the funeral home did what they were supposed to do. It's at their discretion. They chose to stuff the body with newspaper because they weren't told otherwise. It's, mm-hmm. it's not that big of a deal. I've also heard sometimes they take the organs and they put them in plastic bags and put them inside the body along yes. with, you know, other whatever else they stuff the body with too, but that didn't happen either. Exactly. Because usually they would do that and then they would pack it with sawdust. But instead, they disposed of the organs, filled it with newspaper, which, like I said, you guys feel free to look it up. It happens. You know, right. it's it's mm-hmm. not it's not something weird. And, and people always turn to that for their argument of a cover up. And it's just there's no validity to it. It's right. I, I did look it up when we first researched this and I saw that it was it was actually common practice more in the 70s. And mm-hmm. they sort of, you know, moved away from that, but it still happens. It's not unheard of. Going back to what Roseanne said at the beginning of the episode, I don't want anybody to think that 
we're picking on the Johnson family. We're not. We're just trying to, to explain to everybody to reiterate a lot of facts because this information just started going around again yesterday about all this stuff. It's like, listen, obviously me and Roseanne, we don't know what happened. We weren't there. Maybe he was murdered. Maybe it's literally one of the greatest cover-ups that you've ever seen. But when you look at the bigger picture, it is medically possible for somebody to die like this. People are like, well, somebody commented in the group, I can't remember. They said, well, if I would drop my shoe in a gym mat, the guy's a footballer. You know, he plays football. He just getting down in a, you know, three-point stance and knock the mat over. But you got to think Kendrick Johnson was five foot 10, five foot 11, 150, 160 pounds. Uh, these gym mats rolled up are a massive diameter that weigh like 600 pounds. So if you're going to take That's a three-point stance issue. against that, then you're not going to knock it over. You're going to knock yourself over. That was another issue is how are these kids going to roll him up in a mat and stack all those mats up in the corner like that? Exactly. Exactly. That was one of the turning points for me because in, honestly, in the beginning, I thought that there was some kind of weird cover up and that I didn't think that this kid would dive into the center of a rolled up wrestling mat. But the way that they were lined up in the gym and the way that they were positioned and where he was found, even though like they talk about the shoes being thrown in on top, I could see him struggling to get out, getting stuck and his shoes getting kicked off. And I don't know why he would do something like that, but I don't think that those kids were capable of maneuvering those mats around in the way that he was ultimately found in. Yes. On top of that, the Bell Brown, the Bell brothers whereabouts are accounted for. All right. Um, The one bell was in class and this is proven by security camera footage. You can see him sitting in the classroom the entire time and eyewitnesses and then exactly. And then the one bell brother, I believe he was what on a wrestling on a bus for a wrestling match or something like that. Mm -hmm. If I recall. Right. And that's corroborated by witnesses as well. Lots of witnesses. So this ties into a lot of misleading information. Unfortunately, I don't like speaking ill of the the Johnson family, but they have not been completely honest with the media. No, they they've said you are absolutely correct, Roseanne. They uh, there's a reason that the NAACP will not take this case anymore. There's a reason that the president of the SCLC resigned from her position after dealing with this case because they all found out that the Johnson family was putting out misleading information. That's why a lot of people will not take this case anymore because they lost a lot of credibility. Like Roseanne said, we're not picking on the Johnson family. Listen, I couldn't imagine losing a kid. I, I, I don't want to imagine that. But you can't put out misleading information like that. You just can't do it. It damages an entire investigation. It muddies the water. I don't know. It's, it's, it's truly, truly sad. But And I know that they're desperate. And I know they that yeah. they, maybe they see these things the way that they've presented them. But when you break down the things that they've said, much of what they put out there is untrue. And they've twisted things around to benefit their story. And when you talk about the $300,000, sadly, they kind of deserve to get hit with that because you can't just flippantly 
accuse people of stuff and drag them into court and force them to hire attorneys and have no evidence. And then you drop your case. Somebody's got to pay somebody's attorney's fees. Exactly. And it wasn't just the Bell brothers. It was the Bell brothers and 36 other people. You know, like I said, if you think this is a huge cover up of a small town, you know, maybe with racial motivation behind it, there's no evidence to support that. And if there is any kind of racial motivation behind this, you know, be, whether it be the town, the county, the state, well, then you got to take into consideration the SCLC who did their two ind- independent investigations. You got to take in the NAACP, the Department of Defense, the Department of Justice. Then where are you sitting at when you start looking at it that way? It does not make sense. And here's a little piece of information that I left out of the first episode because it wasn't actually relevant to our case. But the Johnson family went as far as accusing Al Sharpton of stealing their money for, you know, the GoFundMe. I believe it was a GoFundMe. It was basically a crowdfunding source to help with their legal bills and and burial costs and, and legal battles and stuff like that. They openly accused Al Sharpton of stealing all that money from them. And basically taking off and and quitting. And in reality, when Al Sharpton found out that the Johnson family was misleading, you know, the investigation, uh, misleading the media and pretty much lying, that's when he quit. I highly doubt he's going to steal money from a a small family, you know, in a small town in Georgia. Right. Especially these people like him and Benjamin Crump who have really solid reputations in advocating for victims like this. And when you see them, when you see them backpedaling away from these families, you're going to scratch your head and be like, well, well, why aren't they interested? They're usually at the forefront of these matters. Mm -hmm. And when they backed off, it it really sends up some red flags. Something's not right with the Johnson family. Exactly. And me and Roseanne had stated several times over, we are not picking on them, okay? We're just stating the facts like this is what happened. This is the scenario that we're still in. The exhumation still, we haven't gotten the results from the latest one yet. But I'm going to probably safely say that there's not much that's going to come out of this either. They might have somebody who might help them a private investigator or something like that, or maybe a private legal office that might help them, you know, go forward with the case anymore, but I don't see anything happening. There's, there's been so many investigations into this case and all of them concluded the same thing. And like I said, I, I would, you know, want answers too, because it, you know, whether it was murder or an accident, me and Roseanne don't know, but when you look at the bigger picture, you have to put all these little pieces together and actually look at everything that's happened. And I, I, I'll openly admit, I do lean more towards an accident. I think it was a horrible, weird freak accident. But if you've ever seen the TV show, 1000 ways to die, you know that people have died weirder ways than this, you know? And I have seen that show and it's not an easy watch. (laughs) It's not an easy watch. And there's actually one on Netflix right now called Weird and Unusual Deaths or something like that. And like I said, people have died in much stranger ways than this before. So it's not out of the realm. And like I stated in the first episode, medically speaking, yes, this is a very plausible death. Positional asphyxiation is what they stated it. And it is a thing. It does happen. So as it stands (laughs) now, I'm not really sure. I know that 
that Johnson family, his parents are still on the hook for the Um, They make a big deal about that. That's what's getting thrown around in the media constantly. Talking about this witness, I don't know how much they're like, this is old news. You know, like you said, this came out last year. You and I talked about it. But when Ryan Dilmet Hernandez was arrested, Kendrick's mom took to social media and she defended him and she called this witness tampering. And and she said in her post, when I tell you Lowndes County is full of it, and she didn't say it, she said the S word, we had a witness come forward, and in Kendrick's case, and now all of a sudden, he's in the county jail for trespassing, and she just accused them of that the only news that they want to cover is is that they're on the hook for this $300,000, they're not talking about the potential witness information that's come forward. And she, she even said that this was a second person that's told what happened to Kendrick. And I think maybe this might be the email that you're referring to, because I hadn't heard that before. Yeah, I think it is. And um, so she thinks the media is biased against her as well. And um, that they're trying to cover up and silence along with everybody else in this big conspiracy. And I'm not a, one to buy into conspiracies very easily. It I'm takes not a either. lot. It takes a lot to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, literally on on all levels of government at this point. I don't think one FBI agent in Valdosta, Georgia, has has that kind of pull, to be perfectly honest with you. Right. Especially reaching as far as the NAACP or the Department of Justice. Yeah. So, I don't know. Do you have anything else to add, Roseanne? I don't think that I do. I think you and I thoroughly covered the case. The only... New information since then has been the autopsy or the third autopsy. And mm-hmm. once that comes out, I'm sure some of our Facebook group members will post up about the news on that. But oh, for sure. I, I'm hoping that maybe the, the Johnson family will eventually just let this rest and hopefully be able to move on. And I'm yeah. sad that they lost their son. And I, I know it's easy to want to put the blame on somebody to hold somebody responsible. I just don't think that it's there. I, I really don't think so either. It's been proven time and time again by so many different agencies. And I don't really see it as a murder, you know, unless right. some new some new evidence or information comes out. I'm always going to lean towards this being an accident. Yeah, and, so. and I don't think that there could be. When the second autopsy happened, the ruling was blunt force trauma. Okay, what more can you want from that? What what does that mean, though? Who, yeah, and if I remember correctly, that uh, that pathologist was out of Florida, and I can't exactly remember. He was discredited on a couple <laughs> autopsies. Can't remember exactly. Anybody, I'm sure everybody was probably going to go back and listen to the first episode now again. But <laughs> they're down and finding people that are willing to bend the story in their direction. Yes. That's what it looks like. If this pathologist said that the second autopsy has been discredited, I didn't even know that. I usually like to put a lot of faith in doctors and what they're doing and what they say. But I guess anybody can be paid anything to say what you want to say. Yeah, pretty much. Um, You know, you find the right people. You know, you can push a narrative pretty far. But when you break it down and, and look at, the whole case as a big picture 
then I think if, if, if people took the time to dig into the finer details of this, they would be surprised. And I think that they would understand why me and you lean more towards accident. So yeah. be prepared for a lot of research though, and have fun. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> me and you researched for a long time on this one. I did. I spent the whole day today looking over this, looking for new information. There's not a whole lot. There and isn't. I'm glad that this was brought up again because it it's still an ongoing thing. And hopefully, maybe in another six months, the Kendrick family will concede that they're just not gonna they're just gonna let it rest. Exactly. And I would be happy with that. I would be happy to report back to you guys that this has been let go of and Kendrick can rest in peace and his family can move on and along with everybody else. Yep. Yep. It's a I sad agree. case. I feel so sad for his family. Even though they made a lot of missteps in this, nobody deserves to lose their child in the way that they did. Oh hell no. Um, no. Not not by any means. Like I would I would be absolutely devastated if yeah. anything remotely close to this happened to, to happen to my children and I'm sure you can agree with that you know but I worry about her all the time she, my daughter's 19 I know she's an adult now she just started driving she just started uh, working at a Ralph's and I don't know if you have a Ralph's it's called Kroger everybody everywhere else in the country and um, yeah. she's working these shifts that are 3 to 10 p.m. and I'm just like freaking out at night you know <laughs> driving Here's a taser. Here's pepper spray. <laughs> it's going to be I'm dark thinking, out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking I'm just going to go and sit in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, just watch her. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Man, but yeah. My heart goes out to the Johnson family so much. Mine does, I'm so too. so sad for them. Mine does, too. And he it's, was such it's... a beautiful young man. Uh, oh, he I... was an, he's an amazing athlete, good-looking guy. I mean, he literally had his whole life in front of him. And I know. I, I agree with you completely. It's, it, you know. I it... do wholeheartedly believe in teenage kids doing stupid shit. Agreed. <laughs> like diving into a wrestling match. Agreed. So. It, it does. It does. I, you know, I've done stupid things like that too. And the way his body was positioned, <laughs> you know, you we're gonna know, we're going to have to talk to your mom about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, the good old mother's day episodes. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. good so stuff. That was, one of the best. <laughs> that was great. Oh man. Alrighty. Yeah. She's a trip. <laughs> um, okay. So awesome to talk to you. Yeah, it's good to talk to you, too. It's a nice conversational case and little case yeah. update. We're good to go. All right. I imagine I will talk to you later, Roseanne. Yeah, me too. Take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.